Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Tony's breaking in for some plans, Coulter's on an unsatiable quest, and Lyra's heading north. Stay tuned as we discuss this week's His Dark Materials. I'm Maria Menunos, and you're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. Hey everybody, I'm Rachel Goodman, and we're here for this week's His Dark Materials. I've got Theo, our resident Philadelphian and fantasy fan. Hello. And we've got Hallie, our sci-fi fanatic. We're just going to go with that, savant fanatic. Oh my god. Welcome to the Black Jacket Club. (laughs) Yes. You know what? I noticed we were all wearing these black jackets, and I walked in the studio. I'm like, what's going on here? Fashion. (laughs) We could not have planned it. It was just hive mind here. So I guess so. I am so excited to dive in. We're talking season one, episode three of His Dark Materials, The Spies, which is very appropriately titled. And this week, I've brought the book. (laughs) The Golden Compass, yes. So everybody. I harmonized with you. (laughs) Thank you. I did hear it. Good job. So, guys, um, also, before we dive in, be sure to stay tuned until the end. We have a couple of different segments. We're going to be doing the from page to screen segment, which discusses the differences in the book. Then we've also got some news, so stay tuned for that. Guys, overall thoughts. Uh, Also, I just want to say I am in the live chat, so if you guys have any comments, make sure to write it down. I love this episode. I love this And I'm sitting with him on the live chat, so I I see what's happening. Yeah. But I love <laughs> this episode was so good. Yeah. I just I I can't wait to talk about it more. But Holly, what did you think? <laughs> I love this episode, but I was also really frustrated at some parts. Mm-hmm. What what frustrated yeah. you? And let, Sh- are you sure it. I should go into it now, or let's, should we wait? Let's go into it. All right. Well, we're just gonna dive right in. Yeah. I'm gonna play devil's advocate because okay. there are some things in there that really takes me off. Okay. So first off, when um, I forgot uh, Tony, Tony and what Tony was Costa. Name? Yes, Tony and then what was and the Benjamin. name? Benjamin. Benjamin, perfect. Was his name. Yes, thank you. When Tony and Benjamin they decided to sneak inside the house and find all the materials so that they can help find the children, when the monkey attacked them and they ran away from it, I was thinking to myself, wait a minute. Y'all are two grown men running away <laughs> from a monkey. Right. Well, I know grown, but still, he, he just became a man. But yet, he can't take down a monkey? Look. See, I, I'm i going to play the other devil's advocate oh, in that I thought they were done for. I was like, I oh, no, so. monkey's going to tear them apart. What? And there they're done. There were two of them. And they also had their <laughs> demons with them. I agree. That, that I could have taken them out, that. and they're running from one little monkey. But yeah. the monk is loud and scary. Nah. <laughs> it's loud nah. and scary. Nah, we ain't having it. They never fought a demon. <laughs> Who's ever, like, have we seen one person fight a demon besides Coulter in this scenario? You're not going to win with me on this one. I guess, yeah. but it's just like, 
I would run away. That's, That's all I'm saying. I would run away after I take out the darn monkey. So, like, <laughs> we are totally going to get back to this because okay. there's a lot more to say about yeah, this moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, um, let's st- start with Coulter, though. Okay. Let's okay. start with her um, insanity. I'm just going to flat out say that word. No offense, yeah. but yes, offense definitely intended. No, I'm with you. She's crazy. <laughs> yeah. She's cray. Like... <laughs> She, got a lot and she going is somebody's on. mother, and yes, that that is the scariest part. So, overall thoughts on Coulter's behaviors in this episode? I went already, so Vito, you go for it. I thought that this brought a lot of depth into Coulter's character, which I really appreciate. The fact that she is as complex as she is is very refreshing to see, in yeah. my opinion. But overall, on the actual feeling of the character, she scares the ever-living hell out of me. <laughs> I'm with you there. I think what I love the most, and we were talking about this earlier, the callback they made to the ledge and that Coulter had said, I'm scared of heights, but not because of heights per se, but because I know me and I know I'm going to jump. They called back to it on a drunken moment where she is just straddling that edge. So, yeah, they they really do help the episodes become a little bit predictable. That's my only Mm. thing. Like, especially in the previous episode when she's Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline started talking about you know the father situation not really an uncle i thought to myself she feels really hyped up about this i bet you she the mama <laughs> so, i didn't want to say anything because i read the book so i knew she was right so right, right. Vito, poor I, Vito last I, week i'm like trying not to say anything he's like but i think she's the mother yeah yeah i, no. I did predict i mean they did a good job at making some like pre like notes to it. I felt she it when just, they met. Yeah. I felt it exactly when they met. That's really honest. interesting. Well, you know, intuition on point. Yeah, so, that's a good point. And my thing is, I feel like she obviously, you know, Coulter knew the whole time, and that is why she was targeting Lyra. Of course. So the whole thing with me is I I love that what's refreshing is that they're showing a female figure mm-hmm. who should be maternal, who is this person's parent, right. and she is the most wicked character on the show. Mm. I, I don't think she's that wicked, to be honest. <laughs> really? Yeah, I, I kind of like her. I like that she's crazy. I'm just I'm willing <laughs> to admit that she's crazy. And here's the reason why. And, and I'm just going to go very basic, very generalized. Mm-hmm. We as human beings, we all have layers to us. Mm-hmm. We work really hard to hide our crazy. But this woman's like, nope, da-da-da-da, I am flipping crazy. <laughs> and I'm going to just put it out there for you. Yeah. So she doesn't she doesn't scare me or make me feel weird in any kind of way. I'm like, oh, she's just authentic. Authentically crazy. So, okay, the big reveal is that we learn from Makasta, who tells Lyra... That not only is this Lyra's mother, but she was married to Edward Coulter and had an affair mm-hmm. and then got with Azriel and that's how they I was ha- like, yes. And Ma Costa <laughs> is blaming this whole thing on an, the affair that she had. Do you guys buy that? I buy that she believes that. Mm. I buy I buy that to an extent um, Mrs. Coulter has it in her mind that this is all this all could have been avoided if what was what she was trying to get to transpire being the death of Lyra 
then nothing would be wrong. Her life would be perfect. But Lyra's (laughs) existence, to an extent, is directly opposing her own, at least in the way that she wants. I mean, we saw in episode one and episode two, or episode two when we meet her, that she kind of wants Lyra to fit into the exact kind of portrait that she does. Mm -hmm. And because because she's lost control over this part of her life, it is just a constant reminder of her mistakes. And I think that's what's driving her crazy. Or crazy to an extent. That's what's giving her all of this drive to kind of squash this all down. Nope, I'm going to disagree on that one. Okay. <laughs> I, I loved what you said. I yeah. thought it was wonderful. Um, however, I think it was more of a competition. Mm. Because it's the, the love between a mother and a daughter is something that's so unique. Just like the love between a father and a son. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, it gets to a point where parents and children, they kind of start to compete with each other. And it's important that the parent allows themselves to lose at one point or another because the child looks up to them considering that they were never around each other after she gave birth and then there was all this controversy i think in a way she resents her she resents lyra because she's so open and so brave and Mm. so free and reminds her of um (laughs) daddy okay reminds her of him and then on top of that lyra doesn't know anything about what's going on but yet she still shows up like a boss and she has all these gifts at the same time, I mean, if I was if I was mom, I'd probably be jealous too, and I think that's where a lot of the rage comes from. Yeah, that's a yeah, and that's why Mom Costa she said whether the Beatles showed up as an act of revenge or love, I don't know, but keep it anyways. Do mm-hmm. you remember? And I think it was a combination of both, but kind of mostly the revenge, because I mean. Um, daughter's kind of outshining mom a little bit. Uh, and I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there because it's one of those things where I feel like you mentioned competition. I feel like mm-hmm. part of the competition is between her love for Azriel and her love for Lyra in the sense that she most likely wanted Azriel to love her more than her own child. Yeah. And yeah. so, but going beyond that too, it's this idea that yes, this little girl is outshining her and is more is already more powerful than her in a right. lot of ways. But I feel like I feel like Coulter thought she could control the situation and control her daughter if her daughter was under her care. Now, I also think that there was gonna it was gonna come to a point, you know, trying not to think of the books here, just mm. from the series. Thank you. <laughs> um, but I thought I feel like just going off the series, it feels like there would have been a natural progression where Coulter would have off, tried to off Lyra if Lyra hadn't left. That that's kind of where I felt like that was going. You think she would try to off Lyra if she hadn't left? If eventually, once Lyra served her purpose, oh, of course yeah. she would have killed her. Yeah, can't can't have a little carbon copy that's more beautiful and more intuitive <laughs> and more knowing than she is. There can only be one. So we get from what we see with Coulter. Then we eventually see a couple of things. We see. Um, the spy beetles, they call them. Mm-hmm. Um, Illegal. Yes, yes. <laughs> and that she's going to stop at nothing, even if she breaks the law. I mean, mm. I personally wasn't surprised that she broke the law Neither. at all. What, how do you, yeah, what do you guys think about that? Uh, to me, it's so obvious that she will do anything she can to get past it, and she believes that she can get away with and all of it. And she kind of already said that she would do anything to get what she wants. Do you think that she's going to be able to get away with doing these illegal things, though? Because I, what I'm curious about is how much the magisterium actually has over her versus how much she has over the magisterium. Slash, like, she's kind of working on her own regard Mm. away from the magisterium as the 
what was it? Uh, oblation? The oblation yeah, board. Yeah, the oblation board. So I'm wondering what that relationship will end up developing in because it feels like right now she's kind of taking all of her relationships with the magisterium and just pushing them aside and going, I need to do this, but yeah. she still holds the same values. And let's talk about Boreal because he mm-hmm. was very involved this episode too. And yeah. one of the things he said near the end was, wow, like I can't believe you're doing this illegal action to get her back. So let's kind of segue into him. But before we do, I just want to make an announcement that we are very, very like excited to have you all as fans. Um, thank you for always tuning in and being so supportive of AfterBuzz TV. We have a ton of genres that we cover from sci-fi, we've got our sci-fi fanatic here, uh, to reality TV, to drama, <laughs> to, I, I know that we cover all the soaps, I'm on one of the after shows for that, so, uh, not to plug Restless Rap. <laughs> <laughs> no plug, no plug. No plug. <laughs> uh, but, thank you all for making us the ESPN of TV talk. If you could just, you know, give us a five-star rating, give us comments. One through four don't work. No, they're broken. They're broken. Yeah. <laughs> any any feedback you give us is amazingly supportive and helpful. So thank you, and let us know in the comments that you did any of these things, and we will give you a shout out yeah, live on the air we on will any respond. of the shows that we're on. Uh, so, we will respond. Thank you all again <laughs> so much. Let's continue talking about Boreal. <laughs> I love Boreal's character. I can't wait. I I want him to be good. I want him to help Lyra. I think he's not going to. I think he's all about himself. And that's, at the end of the day, all he's going to do is things that are going to benefit him and his understanding of the world slash the multiverse. Hallie, what do you think? I'm a little bit distracted by his beauty. I'll be honest. <laughs> right? He's so pretty. So I'm, I'm, I did my best to be like, okay, it's a show. Focus. It's okay. But I look at him and I'm like, but he's so pretty. He is. So you're distracted by his looks. I'm distracted by that yellow thing holding his, like, locking his wheel in place oh every time. <laughs> he went back to the real, I say the real world. Real the, world. you know, our world. Let's yeah. say that for a lack of better term. Yeah. He went back there. Uh, we saw that he was talking to Thomas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, craziness. I wonder when his car is going to get towed. That's definitely, <laughs> because we have to keep thinking of the next step as to him keeping his car in an illegal place. First they put a ticket, then they actually locked his car he's, with a He wouldn't be able to survive in LA, let's no. just say that. <laughs> next time he's taking an Uber. That yeah, that's, I'm <laughs> waiting for Maybe he hasn't figured it. that out yet. Um, Maybe. But I'll, I'll be a little, um, let me collect myself. Besides his beauty... I really love how assertive he is. Hmm. Like he knows what he wants, but he doesn't he doesn't seem like he's too much of a mercenary about it. Like he doesn't just go in and like ah, mine and destroying everything. <laughs> yeah. He seems pretty like he seems pretty respectful, you know, for yeah. somewhat of a criminal. Definitely like he has a like a like a suave to yes. him. And I think that's part of the reason why I'm like, wow, he's so cute. He I love that his bad is quiet. And that, yes. yes, there are moments when he's very dominant and assertive and he, like with Thomas, there was there's no mistaking his tone and, and the, just the way that he was speaking to him, who mm-hmm. had the power in that scene. But he's also very quiet, like his power is a quiet. You could yeah. say much like a snake. 
Yes. Yeah. Mm. Wow, you say. are so original. Strikes, it's hey. quick. Hey. <laughs> yeah. No. This demon t- took that form for a reason. I mean, I yeah. I'm trying to look at all of the demons that have come around so far and try and pick out like why specifically certain demons are certain ways. And I mean, his I think is the most blatantly obvious. But I love his character's function. I want to know more about these explorers that that travel the world. I want to know. I want to know what he wants to know. And I love that the writers are putting him as like our telescope mm-hmm. into yeah. that kind of world. Because right now we haven't seen. He is the only one that has traveled between worlds. We haven't that seen, we know that, of, we, that we've seen that we've seen on yeah. screen. Um, and, and I want more. And we said this last time, but his name actually Boreal. Uh, Borealis is north in Latin. Yeah. So, and Latin wow. is playing a huge role. Um, just when we see the Magisterium, yeah. Latin name, but like also just when they're chanting Latin. It, yeah. So it's there's yeah. no mistake that this guy is going to play a huge part. So. And he's so handsome. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can both agree on that one. Thank you. So let's talk about Lyra. Mm. She made a crazy amount of progress this episode um, all leading into the moment that we have with Tony and Benjamin leaving Um, but with Lyra uh, we we had a lot with her trust issues coming up and obviously she has good reason to have distrust um, Mm -hmm. toward everybody including the Egyptians what did you guys make of her conversation with Fa um, and also uh, with let me grab his name Karam I believe his name is um, Fader Karam. Yeah. Also, just real quick side tangent, I was so surprised at how this episode started. I thought she was going to get kidnapped by the gobblers and she was going to have to go through all that. I thought that Tony Costa was part of the the goblin. Oh, and I was like, what is really? going on? For a hot second. For like a, a minimal second. And then they ended up going to the Egyptian encampment, like the boat encampment. And I was like, oh, Thank God, because this story was about to take a turn. I did There's not want no it to way. take. There's, I, I, I personally have not like really dove into the book as much as I want to yet. Yeah. But there is no way that would have Thank goodness. Like, no way. That would have totally cut the story in half. Absolutely. Yeah, she can't get captured. She's our protagonist. Yeah. Well, she, does, she could get captured, out. but... Stop it. Stop it. You know the book inside She's done this. Don't this do it. This is going to happen so much. But we won't go this there. How could you? How could, now no. it's going to be in my brain. I'm, I, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not giving spoilers, by the way. That was just a generic comment. So don't blame me if it does or doesn't happen. Um, <laughs> all right. So moving along, we had, um, we had a lot with uh, Lyra coming to terms with the fact that even though she has never really been able to trust many of the adults in her life, even the master who was not quite forthcoming with her, um, she ends up learning to trust Fardo Karam. And I loved the moment leading up to this where eventually um, he she tells him about the Golden Compass yeah. and she she's still trying to figure out how to use it. But th- I think that moment where she opens up to him about it was one of my favorites this episode. Yeah. I, I, I mean, is, is it okay if I... No, go ahead. Okay. I had mixed feelings about that hmm. because hmm. it's nice that she can finally confide in someone outside of, you know, her demon pan. But at the same time, it's like, it just felt really naive and premature, which is understandable. She's a, she's a little kid. Yeah. Um, but it's it. I feel like she could have learned her lesson by then and being mindful of who to talk to. Thankfully, he was safe for her to talk to. But 
when he was away from her, he started talking about how powerful and how useful she was. Once again, she was treated like a tool and not a human being. Now, and that was really that was really concerning for me because uh, there's a there's a huge contrast between her opening up to him and then her opening up to Ma Costa. Mm-hmm. Ma seems very genuine, I love her. very honest, and very vulnerable with her. And whatever she says behind her back is the same thing she'll say in front of her. Yeah. So there's a transparency there that I'm like, okay, Ma seems more trustworthy. This guy, uh, we'll find out. But it seems like he's he's going more north. Did you catch that pun? Uh, <laughs> uh, I will just say to that that they're, the whole theme right now that I'm getting from the TV show is that she, Lyra's very intuitive, which is how she ends up being able to break, to figure out how to use the the alethiometer without actually reading any book because she's learning to trust her intuition and herself. And I feel like that that speaks to the people that she chooses to trust. Now I'm with you. I think that when he went back to Fa and said, hey, she's powerful, yeah, it was kind of like, eh, maybe he shouldn't have said that. But I also do believe that he's trustworthy. And I think that the reason why she would open up to him and um, to Makasta to a certain extent is because she can feel it in her gut when somebody is trustworthy, which is why she could never open up to Coulter. And I, I disagree oh. with that one too. <laughs> and it's not because I actually want to play devil's advocate right now. Sometimes I just do that for fun. Okay. Um, but right now I, I gotta disagree with that only because she she had trusted her gut on pretty much everyone that we've seen thus far. At least to an extent where she's like, okay, I can share things with them. Okay, I can be open. Once again, it's very understandable. She's a kid and she's still navigating. She's trying to figure things out. But she said something to Ma that really resonated with me as far as her character is concerned. When she said, I feel like I can only trust myself because anytime I get close to any of you guys, I'm in danger. Yeah. And she's right. She can only trust herself because everyone is hiding secrets from her. Yeah. Everybody. But it also speaks on the, ne- the on the necessity of having to trust others and go out on that limb regardless of that yeah. cost. Because unfortunately for her, I mean, while it is naivety and while it is like this sort of optimism that I that is prevalent in children, I also think it's important to see that this character continues to trust regardless of getting burned. Because you could get burned no matter what. You could get burned if you don't trust. You could get burned if you do trust. But the optimism, the the childlike optimism, is almost a positive in this case. And even if she gets in trouble, she would be in trouble either way. I think so. I like. I understand. I am also uncomfortable with the fact that he kind of took advantage of that to kind of objectify her. But I think it's. I don't. I don't know if I'm upset that Lyra put her trust in the people that she did, regardless of getting burned or not. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with both of you. You're both making excellent points. Mm. I would just just to go off of what each of you has said. I would just say that. I think it was necessary for her to open up just in the sense that if she doesn't, eventually she will close off. And mm. and in this world, when you come of age, your demon usually, now we know Lyra was talking about this not happening, but usually your demon picks one form and you stick with that. And we were talking last week and how adults, some of what we're kind of seeing is that the adults get stuck in their ways and they stop learning how to adapt in mm. a healthy way. They adapt to survive but not in the way that a child can. And I think by Lyra learning that she can open up, it will help her emotionally so that by the time she does come of age and does change into an adult, 
that her her she'll, she won't lose that power that she has now mm-hmm. because part of embracing herself and her power is recognizing when you can let other people in so that you're mm. part of a community and part of a stronger whole. You won me over, Rachel. <laughs> yeah, oh, really? This is, yeah, this is like, it's like life is like her training ground, yeah. so to speak. And at yeah. least she's doing it now rather than later. Yeah. I think it's just because I really want her to live. And I really want her to discover her power. I see so much of myself in her, so maybe I was just, I was just projecting <laughs> just a little bit. Upside. But that does no, make sense. No, you shouldn't be sorry about yeah. it. No, it makes because, a lot of sense. Okay, good. I was just yeah. kidding when I said <laughs> And, <laughs> and if, the thing is, if she does trust the wrong person, she's done. So you, what you said ah, makes complete sense. Don't say that. <laughs> I won't. I mean, ah. I did, but... <laughs> well, actually, yeah, I already know it's not true, because you already know the book, so... Yeah. Let's um let's talk about the very ending where we get the where the title comes mm. from the spies mm. and we get Tommy and Benjamin's very heroic mission. R.I.P. Benjamin. Yeah, poor yeah, R.I.P. I I didn't think the death was necessary, but I thought it was interesting, especially that's is Benjamin the king of the West's son? Is that I believe so. We haven't yeah. gotten that officially. There was but, a look when yeah. they found out he died, and I yeah. was like, oh my gosh, that's Papa. Yeah. yeah, and him saying that like I would rather die than betray my family. Like, I loved that. So did I. Oh, and it was a big kick in the face to her because she betrays anyone that gets in her way. And Benjamin's like, nah, we don't <laughs> do that. We stand for honor and loyalty and respect in family. I had a slow clap moment. I was like, yes, please, Benjamin. Yes, please. But you should have taken down that monkey. Just saying. You also should have not just jumped. You could have climbed. I don't. But her, his, his, his demon was also in the hands of the monkey. And we have seen the monkey kill before. We will see the monkey kill again. And in this way, Benjamin monkey. chose to die instead of allowing somebody else to kill him. Yeah. So he chose his own death. And then we got to see the demon just... That was that was powerful right. to me because like they're not going to show that death actively on screen, but you will see that soul connection just... And did you guys notice the significance of that death? The monkey, it, it, it was like its whole entire energy and demeanor changed. Just absolutely yeah, it shifted. went from Yeah, it went from like, ah, I'm going to kill everybody, to, like, to wow, this is beautiful, this is wonderful. And that was such an interesting shift mm-hmm. in character and emotion. And I was like, huh, what does this mean? We have seen, so here's my thought on this, without, uh, this is a non-book comment. Mm-hmm. The monkey, just from seeing his reactions to certain things, even before that moment, but especially that moment, I feel like the monkey can be good. I do and, too. And, and is like and wants almost, to be. Yeah. And that it's the it's because of his attachment to Coulter yeah. that we're still getting some of that. Because the thing with her is that yes, like a lot of people in this world, we've seen how attached they are to their demons. Sometimes I feel like um Coulter is very much like not just controlling her demon, but she takes on his the characteristics of the monkey and that her actions are kind of going into the monkey. It's just very Yeah, and we got to see that while they were simultaneously beating on each other. Like, that was so interesting to me. And there's more of a, like, a negative, like, like, everybody else, like, yeah, like, they're attached to the demon, but they still have free will. And I feel like hers is more of a control, which speaks to her. But you can also see some of the free will in the demon when she's up on the ledge, she's very worried for her, and he also has moments like the moment where she walks into the room, she's sitting down on Lyra's bed and starts tearing things apart, and the monkey's like, oh man, and he goes in and closes the door. Part of me, I want to know kind of the idea behind the demons and their representation of their human, because it feels like... 
there's almost like is is the demon supposed to be the subconscious of the human and is the monkey kind of like doing what he needs to while also kind of doing what he has to but also very much trying to care for her. I see a lot of empathy in the monkey, mm-hmm. almost sometimes more than I see it in Coulter. So I'm curious as to like it, how much of the actions that he has taken when he is violent, his choice versus what like literally being controlled yeah. by Coulter. And I think it's more control. Yeah. I think so too, definitely. I think we can all agree on that. Mm. Yeah. So let's go ahead with the time that we have left. Let's jump into some of our segments. The first one we're going to handle is our news. Yeah. What is up, everyone? Um, Once again, my name is Hallie, and I'm here to give you our news for today. So first one, I want to talk about a recent interview that our Dark Materials star, James McAvoy, my mistake, in HelloMagazine.com, and he was talking about how historically he's very private about his personal life, and he finally decided to spill the tea. He decided to spill the tea and talk about being reunited on set with his ex-wife, Anne-Marie Duff. I bet you guys didn't know that one. Yeah, she plays Ma Acosta, the mother of poor kidnapped Billy. (laughs) So, it's interesting because McAvoy and Duff, they initially met on set for Shameless, so it's kind of full circle that they're reunited back on set, too. They were married for nine years, they have a son, and it's been over a year since they officially divorced. Now, despite their not-so-public separation, the the actors, they still remain respectful and supportive of each other in their careers and also with their co-parenting, which means... We get a real life happy ending, and the drama Aww. is just left strictly on screen. Hmm. The way it should be. Yes, <laughs> yes. And speaking of spilling the tea, I have another article for you on NME.com. <laughs> so we have something to share with the fans here. The Golden Compass star, Dakota Blue Richards, revealed that it's actually strange for her to watch his dark materials. And to all of you loyal fans out there, you may remember Richards playing the role of Lyra in the movie The Golden Compass. And in the podcast interview, Richards admitted that watching the series was interesting and excited, but also really strange and really different for her. She goes on to talk about how making of the film, which was... Uh, which didn't do so well in the box office, by the way, when it came out in 2017. It was a lot more, quote-unquote, rushed, and the TV adaption had more time, or had less time than the film did, which, I I, I mean, I want to interpret that as maybe she meant that they didn't really get enough time with the book mm-hmm. or or with each other to actually learn it. I'm not too sure what she meant, but I'm, I'm going to assume that that was it. And on top of that, which was actually really cool, and I was like, okay, okay, she gave props to Daphne King, who plays Lyra, and which we're getting to know on his Dark Materials. Awesome. Now, Richard, she admitted that Keen may have even done a better job than herself when she Aww. originally played, yeah, Lyra. <laughs> That's so sweet. Yeah, 12 years ago. Now, 
Now, she said, keep in mind that they had a lot of age difference. She was three years younger when she first picked mm -hmm. up the role. And on top of that, she had no acting experience whatsoever. So she was just yeah. getting wet in the business for the first time. And she said that Keen is doing amazingly. She's a professional actor, and she's old enough to actually absorb the role and the character. And I couldn't agree more. Kudos to you for just really being honest. I, I really love that Richards just bared it out there. Awesome. Yeah. I almost wish that she was a part of this series so right. that she could take like a repri not yeah. like a reprisal role, some but some sort of role. role. Oh, she you know deserves what would be it. crazy? What? If she would have played her mom. Oh. oh. No I casting, mean, you I did mean, a great job. I know, I know, granted, she wouldn't look old enough to, but yeah. I mean, come on, hey. Oh, it would have been so that. cool. Yeah. That would have been crazy. Yeah. Not to downplay Wilson's of role because she oh has been gosh. doing an amazing oh, job. She is. She's so good at the complex role. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but yes, that would have been like kind of what they do on Flash where they always bring back the people who used to play Flash mm. and like yeah. And oh, I didn't Supergirl, know that. That's yeah, so cool. they do that a lot. They'll bring back people who were originally the roles and like a, like Supergirl, the woman who was originally in the role back I think in the 70s or 80s actually mm -hmm. came back to play the mother, I think. Wow. That's so cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. who knows? Maybe HBO is going to take some notes and Maybe. bring her onto the show. Just saying. Yeah. Just saying. Well, I think that's an excellent time to get to our next segment, which is from page to screen. <laughs> I'm going to talk about the things <laughs> that they're doing a little bit differently than they did in the book. Um, I just want to reference, um, I don't think we talked about this yet, but last time, um, I don't think we talked about this where we mentioned that mm -hmm. the inscription in the front of the book, and I know you can't read that, so I'm going to just read it for you guys. It's just the one sentence where we were talking at the beginning of the series. They literally said the um, the first volume is set in a universe like ours, but different in many ways. They didn't phrase it like that, but it's this. It's pretty much the same phrase they used at the beginning of the series to kind of bring everything in. Okay, differences in the books though. Um, Lyra actually did not meet the Costas until after Coulter. Um, we saw a lot more with the Egyptians up front. We're seeing a lot more with them um, mm. before we even got to Lyra. So that's a huge difference. Um, but she was already aware of the Gobblers because they did take Roger in the book, right. in the Golden Compass. So that was pretty accurate. The other thing is that uh, this business with her learning about who her parents really are. Uh, Ma Costa really wasn't responsible for that. Really? It was John Fa. Um, she learns that one, Ma, Ma Costa was the one who took care of her when she was a baby, but also that Lord Asriel was her father and that Mrs. Coulter's her mother. Wow. That she learned all of it from John Fa. so that is a major wow. change. So, but considering you know the book really well, what is it like for you watching this and knowing the difference? Like, does it, do you feel any, like, Okay, you it's, do. You it's more, <laughs> now, I love the series. I love what they're doing with it. My overall comment, though, is that if you have not read the book, you really should because it's very... Um, you, get, you get more from Lyra's perspective, mm. and it's just... Oh, I love movies, I love television, but there's nothing like being in a character's head. So mm. that is my... I couldn't agree more with yeah, that. Yeah, and so you just get a little bit more from her mind. Yeah. yeah. But... That being said, they're doing an excellent job, and they're portraying it pretty accurately. Yeah, the adapters, by the way, are Lin-Manuel Miranda, Jack <laughs> Thorne, who apparently wrote um, The Cursed Child, uh, Harry Potter and the Cursed... Uh, oh, the no way. Adaption, yeah. And also uh, Cristela Alonso. I don't... I'm not so, familiar with the word. for anyone not familiar... Cars 3. Oh. 
Yeah, and for anyone not familiar, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda is the actor who, he created Hamilton, but he also was Hamilton. For anyone who's not aware of that, yeah. I don't, I'm sure everyone knows, but just in case. Yeah. And he's coming awesome. next episode. He's next episode, people. Yes. Oh, oh my God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> We've been waiting. Me and Vito and Holly were like, oh my God, he's here. Yeah. Yes. He's going to okay. be the bear boy. He's the bear man. And this is a great time to talk about our predictions then. Your After Buzz TV <laughs> predictions. Holly, would you like to start? Yes, I shall go first. Yes. My prediction... You... Oh. No, 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 no. I, I actually was going to say something, but I decided this time around I won't say anything. And the reason being is because I've noticed every time I've said something in regards to prediction, it doesn't go the way I want it. And I want it to stay in here. So for now, I'm just I'm, I'm going to say nothing. Vito, All right. It. Cool, cool. Uh, I have two predictions. One, we're going to see Lin-Manuel Miranda ride a bear. Um, <laughs> and then two, I think that we're going to find out something about the demons. My prediction for what we find out is that they are specifically in the world that this story takes place in and not active outside the human world. There was a lot of talk um, when it came to the function of demons in this world versus the other world, and we found out that uh, the Traveler, I can't remember his name, the the other one besides our main, um, so we have besides Gru- Boreal. Grooman. Yeah, Grooman. Uh, we found out that he possibly is from like our world and then traveled into uh, the Golden Compass world and then traveled back. I think that no matter what, if you exist within the world, that the golden compass takes place in your demon forms and is technically always there you just can't see it in the real world that's my prediction i'm so glad i said absolutely nothing i don't want to give a prediction because i'm Mm. too worried that if i do it might be what i know i'll give more predictions (laughs) so (laughs) let's go ahead and just holly where can everybody find you yeah absolutely Uh, my name is holly johnson and you can find me instagram facebook twitter youtube all the entities at pure holly p-u-r-e-h-a-l-l-e and Vito, where can everybody find you? You can find me where all Vitos are sold, at Scuddy on Twitter and Instagram. I love that. And I am Rachel Goodman. You can find me on Twitter at Rach Goodman or on my author Instagram name at Rachel Radner Author. Hey. If you are a fan of The Young and the Restless, on Sundays I do the After Buzz Restless Rap Recap Show. We also, I also do his, uh, no, we are on his Dark Materials. I also do Man That's in the High here. Castle. That's so, here. We'll see you next time. Thank you, everybody. Take care. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first. We're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principal.